In this episode of Rendition, The Wise Fool. This is Rendition, a modern retelling of timeless stories. Each week, you'll hear a medley of folk tales, ancient parables, and classic short fiction. We'll take this tour through folklore, literature, and the arts to reveal the fundamental themes that are still being reused today. Because the world has changed, but the human story remains the same. As a kid growing up in the Dominican Republic, one of my favorite things to do was to listen to other kids sharing Pepito jokes during recess. Pepito is a popular character in Dominican jokes and folktales. He's always portrayed as being dumb and lazy, and no matter how good his intentions are, he always fails at completing the errands that his mom sends him out to do. But Pepito isn't unique to the Dominican Republic. He's pretty much a stock character in most of the world. In Puerto Rico, he's known as Juan Bobo. In the Philippines, they call him Juan Tamad. In the southern United States, you'll find stories with the same character called Simple John or Foolish John. But here's what I just learned. Pepito isn't only present in colonized parts of the world. No, the old world also has a character that is similar to Pepito but older in age, and more well-rounded. A great example of this is the character of Mula Nasreddin. We'll just call him Nasreddin from here on. Nasreddin is based on an actual man who lived in the area that we know today as Turkey. Evidence points to the 14th century as the approximate time frame that he lived in. The stories portray him as being wise sometimes, and other times, very foolish. In this episode, we'll hear both sides. But let's start with some examples of Nasreddin solving problems using his well-earned personality trait. Wisdom. There was just one day of each week that worried Nazreddin. On six days, he was as free as a butterfly. He could talk with his friends in the marketplace or ride his donkey to a nearby village. But on Fridays, since he was considered an elder statesman in the village, he was expected to deliver a sermon to the congregation of worshippers in the mosque. That was all very well when he had something to say, but there were many Fridays when his mind was as empty as that of his own little gray donkey. One particular Friday, he was more concerned than ever. He had no single idea what he would talk about. During the service, when he got on the pulpit, he asked, Do you know what I am going to say? The audience replied, No. So he announced, I have no desire to speak to people who don't even know what I will be talking about and left. He was safe one more day. The next Friday, his mind was blank again. This time, when he asked the same question to the crowd, the people remembered what happened the week before, and they replied, yes, 
Yes, we do. So Nazreddin said, Well, since you already know what I am about to say, I won't waste any of my time or yours. And then he quickly left. One more Friday saved. The next Friday, when it was his turn to speak again, he once again asked the same question. Do you know what I am going to say? But now, the people were prepared. And so, half of them answered yes, while the other half replied no. So Nazreddin said, Let the half who know what I'm going to say, tell it to the half who don't. And he left once more. In the marketplace of the town of Aksahir, a poor man was passing by a grilled meat vendor, and he got a cravings for some grilled meat. Since he couldn't afford to buy the meat, he took out a few pieces of bread from his pocket, held them in the smoke coming off the grill, and he ate them. As he was leaving, the vendor grabbed him and said, You can't leave without paying. The man refused to pay, and when they couldn't settle the argument, they went to see the judge, our good friend Nazreddin. Nazreddin listened to both sides, then turned to the poor man and said, Give me all your money. The poor man was surprised, but gave Nazreddin his little bag of money anyways. Nazreddin emptied the bag onto the table, counted the coins one by one, and then turned it to the vendor. Have you heard the sound of the coins? Yes, I have, said the vendor. Nazreddin put the coins back in the bag, returned it to the poor man, and said to the vendor, The price of smoke is the sound of coins. You sold smoke, and now you have been paid. Tamerlan the Great was the emperor of Turkey, and whenever he was bored, he would invite Nazreddin to his palace. Nazreddin was always good for entertainment, or at the very least, a good laugh. It was a sunny spring day when Tamerlan asked Nazreddin to go with him to the plain, where his soldiers were at their archery practice. It was the sort of vivid, bright day when a man feels twice as strong and twice as clever as on a drab day. With each step across the fields to the place where the soldiers were practicing, Nazreddin felt younger and braver and more bursting with all sorts of new skills. A good shot, said Nazreddin as a soldier's arrow pierced the bullseye of the target. It reminds me of the way I used to handle a bow and arrow. Really? The emperor looked at Nazreddin in surprise. I had never heard that you were an archer. Oh yes, oh yes indeed, I was a famous archer. On a day like this, Nazreddin felt like he could be anything. I remember how men used to come from distant cities to see me shoot. My hands itch for the feel of the bow again. The second Nazreddin said this, he immediately regretted lying. Because the emperor beckoned to a soldier. My soldiers need some good shooting, he said as he took the bow and arrow from the man. Here is your chance to show us how it's really done. 
The emperor held out the bow and arrow toward the dumbfounded Nazvredin. Oh, you must not rob your soldier of this chance to practice. He needs it so much more than I do. That's what Nazvredin said. Watching your skill will more than make up for the time he loses, said the emperor, still holding the bow and arrow toward the squirming Nazvredin. Nazreddin knew a command when he saw it. He couldn't back down now. Oh, of course. Nazreddin tried to seem confident as he took the big bow in his awkward hands. He squinted painfully at the target, pulled back the bowstring, and shut his eyes as the arrow wobbled limply to the ground, just a few inches from his feet. The emperor expected to see Nazreddin angry or embarrassed at the very least. Not at all, though. An old grin suddenly spread over Nazreddin's face. That, said Nazreddin, is just to show you how your chief huntsman shoots. Nazreddin took another arrow as he smiled pleasantly at the little group of soldiers that was fast gathering about him and the emperor. He pulled back and shot the next arrow, sending it whizzing high into the air. A dozen soldiers jumped aside so that it hit no one as it fell to the ground not far from its starting place. And that, said Nazreddin, with a cheerful nod, is to show you how your lieutenant shoots. Nazreddin took a third arrow and adjusted it. The soldiers, now scared, they drew back, ready to dodge in any direction. It was well that they did, since the third arrow went far to the right of the mark. And that, said Nazreddin, genially, is to show you how your general shoots. Nazreddin took a fourth arrow. He no longer bothered to squint at the target. He merely put the arrow to the bowstring, gave a yank, and let it go where it would. This time, the arrow left his bow with a business-like buzz, whirred straight between the rows of grinning soldiers, and lodged neatly in the exact center of the bullseye. For a minute, Nazreddin stared with open mouth and popping eyes at his arrow quivering in the bullseye. Mashallah, he muttered. Mashallah. Then his old poise came back. And that, said Nazreddin with a new, unconcerned demeanor, is to show you how Nazreddin shoots. Nazreddin was walking in the town square with a large group of followers. Whatever Nazreddin did, his followers immediately copied. Every few steps, Nazreddin would stop and shake his hands in the air, touch his feet, and jump up, yelling, Hoo! 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 So his followers would also stop and do exactly the same thing. One of the merchants who knew Nazreddin quietly asked him, What are you doing, my old friend? Why are these people imitating you? I have become a guru, replied Nazreddin. These are my spiritual seekers. I'm helping them reach enlightenment. How do you know when they reach enlightenment? That's the easy part, my friend. Every morning I count them. The ones who have left have reached enlightenment.
One day, Nazreddin was invited to a dinner reception. He didn't have much time to get ready beforehand, so he just showed up in his old work clothes. When he noticed that nobody paid him any attention, he rushed back home, put on his new robe and fur coat, and returned to the reception. This time, they greeted him at the door, escorted him to the table, and offered him the most delicious dishes. Each time they placed a plateful of food in front of him, Nasreddin picked up the choicest piece of meat on his plate. He didn't raise it to his lips. Instead, he opened his coat and placed it in a pocket which was hidden inside. Eat, my fur coat, eat, he would say each time. Everybody was surprised. So they asked, What are you doing, Nasreddin? When I came in my old clothes, there was no place for me at the table. When I come in my new clothes, nothing is too good for me. That shows it was the coat, not me, that you invited to your banquet. But just like there are stories where Nazreddin uses his cunning to teach a lesson or to get out of a tough situation, there are also just as many stories where he is short-sighted and foolish. Let's listen to two of those stories right now. One day, Nazreddin loaded sacks of wheat on his donkey and was ready to take them to the mill when his neighbors saw him and asked them to take theirs too. Nazreddin couldn't refuse, so he ended up with nine donkeys loaded with the sacks of wheat of nine households plus his own. It was difficult to keep the donkeys together. Before it got dark, he decided to count the donkeys. He counted nine. But where's mine? There should be ten, he said to himself. He got down from his donkey and counted again. There were ten. He got back on his donkey and continued on his way. To be sure, he decided to count again after a while. And there were nine. He got down from his donkey and recounted. Then there were ten. Finally, he said, I better walk. Every time I ride the donkey, there's one missing. Nazreddin was sitting by the window, and he saw a funeral procession coming down the street. Relatives of the deceased were crying and wailing. Oh my, you are going to a dark place where there is no light or fire, no food or water, oh my. Nazreddin turned to his wife and said, quick, quick, go and lock our door. They must be bringing the dead guy to our house. I take Nazreddin as a symbol of human fate. We're born, we're naive, we go to school to learn, life 
kicks us and we fall down. But we get up, hopefully a little stronger and a little wiser each time. Yet, despite our best efforts, the following fact still remains. Even as adults, we are all at one point or another, both the wise man and the fool. Guys and gals, thanks again so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, the great news is we've been ranking really high on the charts, on the iTunes and Apple Podcast charts. So thanks again for the support. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Uh, we're top in our category in literature, like top three, top four. And also in New and Noteworthy, we're, uh, we're being featured right now. All thanks to you. So thanks again for tuning in. Again, my name is Alex Cespedes, and you've been listening to Rendition. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>